Chapter Twenty One of Laramie Holds the Range by Frank Spearman. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. Chapter Twenty One The Hiding Place. Disdaining any further attempt at concealment, Laramie rode angrily over to Kitchen's barn. Any one that wanted a dispute with him just then could have it, and promptly. Kitchen got up his horse, and cutting short the liveryman's attempt to talk, Laramie headed for home. The sky was studded with a glory of stars. He rode fast, his fever of anger acting as a spur to his anxiety, which was to get back to dress Hawk's wounds. His thoughts raced with the hoofs of his horse. Nothing could have galled and humiliated him more than to realize how Kate Doubleday regarded him. Plainly, she looked on him as no better than one of the ordinary rustlers of the falling wall country. This was distressingly clear, yet he knew in his own heart that hers was the only option among her people that he cared anything about. Furious waves of resentment alternated with the realization that such an issue was inevitable. How could it be otherwise? She had heard the loose talk of men about her, stone alone to reckon no other could be depended on to lie freely about him van horn he was as sure would not scruple to blacken an enemy and added to laramie's discomfiture was the reflection that this man whose attentions to kate he most dreaded held her ear against him and could if need be poison the wells to this could be added as his implacable enemy her own father this last affair had cut off every hope of getting on with the men for whom he had no respect, and who, for one reason or another, hated him as heartily as he hated them. Under such a load of entanglement lay the thought of Kate. What utter foolishness even to think of her as he let himself think and hope. Clattering along, he told himself nothing could ever come of it but bitterness and he cast the thought and hope of knowing her better and better until he could make her his own completely out of his heart. The only trouble was that neither she nor the bitterness would stay out. As often as he put them out, they came in again. The first few miles of his road were the same that she would soon be riding after him. Again and again he felt anger at the idea of her riding the worst of the falling wall trail at night to Pettigrew's. More than once he felt the impulse to wait for her, and even slackened his pace. But when he did so, there rose before him her picture as she flung the hateful words at him. They came back as keenly as if he heard them again, and he could feel his cheeks burning in the cold night air. Self-respect, if nothing else, would prevent his even speaking another word to her that night. His hatred of her father swelled in the thought that he should let her attempt such a ride. For several miles beyond where he knew Kate would turn for the pass, Laramie rode on toward home. Then watching his landmarks carefully, he reined his horse directly to the left and headed for the broken country lying between the turkey and the mountains. At some little distance from the trail he stopped, and sitting immovable in his saddle, listened to ascertain whether he was followed. For almost thirty minutes, and that is a long time, he waited, buried in the silence of the night and without the slightest impatience. 
he heard in the distance the coyotes and the owls but no horseman passed nor did the sound of hoofs come within hearing then reining his pony's head again toward the black heights of the lodgepole range he continued his journey soon all semblance of any trail was left behind and he rode of necessity more slowly more than once he halted seemingly to reassure himself as to his bearings for he was pushing his way where few men would care to ride even in daylight he was feeling across precipitous gashes and along treacherous ledges esteemed by bighorn but feared by horse and man and among huge masses of rocky fragments that had crashed from dizzy heights above before finding a resting-place and even then they had been heaved and tumbled about by the fury of mountain storms laramie was in fact nearing the place by the least passable of all approaches where he had hidden hawk yet he did not hesitate either to stop or to listen or to double on his trail more than once maneuvering in this manner for a long time he emerged on a small opening turned almost squarely about and rode half a mile dismounting at this point and lifting his rifle from its scabbard he slung his bag over his shoulder and walked rapidly forward the hiding-place had been well chosen on a high plateau of the falling wall country so broken as to forbid all chance travel and to be secure from accidental intrusion a breeding-place for grizzlies and mountain lions there had once been opened a considerable silver mining camp substantial sums had been spent in development and from an old turkey creek trail a road had been blasted and dug across the open country divided by the canyon of the falling wall river in its escape from the mountains the river at this point cuts a deep gash through a rock barrier and from this striking formation known as the canyon of the falling wall the river takes its name where the old mine road crosses the plateau an ambitious bridge as laramie once told kate had been projected across the river it was designed to replace a ferry at the bottom of the canyon but with the ruinous decline in the value of silver the mines had been abandoned a weather-beaten abutment at the top of the south canyon wall alone remained to recall the story the earth and rock fill behind this abutment had been washed out by storms leaving the framing timbers above it intact and below these there remained a cave-like space which the slowly decaying supports served to roof laramie on a hunting trip had once discovered this retreat and had at times used it as a shelter when caught overnight in its vicinity during subsequent visits he found an overhang in the rock behind the original fill that made a second smaller chamber and in this he had as a boy cached his mink and rat traps and the discard of his hunting equipment to the latter people coming into the falling wall country with cattle the existence of all this was practically unknown nothing visible betrayed the retreat and to men who rarely left the saddle and had little occasion to cross the badlands there was slight chance to stumble on it it was here a few miles west of his own home that laramie had carried hawk 
Making his way in the darkness toward the dugout, Laramie whistled low and clearly, and planting his feet with care on a foothold of old masonry, swung down to where a fissure opening in the rock afforded entrance into the irregular room. A single word came in a low tone from the darkness. Jim! Laramie, answering, struck a match, and after a little groping, lighted a candle, and set it in a niche near where Hawk lay. The rustler was stretched on a rude bunk. The furnishings of the cave-like refuge were the scantiest. Between uprights supporting the old roof, a plank against the wall served as a narrow table. The bunk had been built into the opposite wall out of planking left by the bridge carpenters. For the rest, there was little more in the place than a few belongings of a hunter's lodge long deserted. A quilt served for mattress and bedding for Hawk, and his sunken eyes above his black beard showed how sorely he needed surgical care. To this, Laramie lost no time in getting. He provided more lights, opened his kit of dressings, and with a pail of water went to work. What would have seemed impossible to a surgeon, Laramie, with two hours' crude work accomplished on Hawk's wounds. But in a country where the air is so pure that major operations may be performed in ordinary cabins, cleanliness and care, even though rude, count for more than they possibly could elsewhere. The most difficult part of the task that night lay in getting water up the almost sheer canyon wall from the river three hundred feet below. It would have been a man's job in daytime. Add to this black night and the care necessary to leave no traces of getting down and climbing up. Leaving Hawk when the night was nearly spent, Laramie returned to his horse, retraced his blind way through the badlands, and got to the road some miles above where he had left it. He started for home, but left the road below his place, and picking a trail through the hills came out half a mile northwest of his cabin. Here he cached his saddle and bridle, turned loose his horse, and going forward with the stealth of an Indian, he got close enough to his cabin to satisfy himself, after painstaking observation, that his cabin was neither in the hands of the enemy nor under close-range surveillance. When he reached the house, he disposed of his rifle, slipped inside, and struck a light. On the stove he found his frying pan face downward and the coffee pot near it with the lid raised. From this he knew that Cimarron, in his absence, had cared for his stock, and, being relieved in his mind on this score, he laid his revolver at hand and threw himself on the bed to sleep. Day was just breaking. End of chapter 21